Welcome to the place where people of faith find real answers. We believe women deserve more than just religious band-aids for their most difficult and destructive relationships. And now for today's episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Welcome to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. I'm Julie Sedenko, here with Maureen, a woman who spent 41 years with a man who treated her, quite literally, like a child. Maureen homeschooled their eight children while caring for her mother and disabled brother. She was taught by her church and her husband that submission equals obedience no matter what. Despite the hardships, Maureen had every intention of being in this marriage till death do us part. What you're about to hear is a story of waking up to the truth and learning to walk in it. Maureen, take me back to when you started noticing there were problems in your marriage. And what were they? He dominates. And I thought that to be the good godly wife, I needed to submit. What was your understanding of submission? And where did you learn that? Well, mostly from him to start with. And then the churches that we went to, it has always been that I was the lesser person. And when I talked to our pastor about this, who has, who is a biblical counselor, he and his wife both, you know, really taught you submission is obedience, really, you know, and as long as he's not asking me to sin, that that's what I needed to do. I wasn't an important person. And I very much feel like, so we have eight children, our second son, when he was 19, he left the house right after he graduated high school. And um, he had told me at the time, he said, mom, it's not you. I just cannot put up with dad anymore. And as my kids got older and got out from under his rule, you know, they would tell me, mom, you don't have to live like this. You know, you have every reason to leave. And I'd be like, you know, no. And um, in 2009, my one daughter just really, really begged me to leave him. And I just could not imagine my life without him. Like, that's what I was supposed to do, you know, serve him. Tell me what kinds of things were happening. Like, when did it start? And why was it destructive? Our whole basis of our marriage was, you know, he was the boss, you know, and I do feel like I was raised with the kids. But then I realized, you know, they got to go out away from his rules and I'm still living under the rules. I take care of my brother who is um, mentally retarded. And um, I was always so blessed because my husband allowed me to do that. Anyways, like one of the rules, unwritten rule, if I gave my my brother his food before I gave my husband his food, that was disrespectful. Like I could not do that. And my brother is in a wheelchair and cannot fix his own plate like he could not go and put his own food on his plate but it's disrespectful if I took care of him before my husband who's perfectly okay capable. so that would last about five seconds with me so you're a better person than I am but what were you thinking I mean, the first time he said that did did you know that this was going to be like when you were dating that that you were going to live under this kind of oppression No, not really. And I was 17 when we got married. Well, that says a lot. Okay. Yeah. You had no clue. Well, and I came from a very dysfunctional family. Like my mom and dad stayed married, but they probably shouldn't have. But uh, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom poured pretty much all of her life into my brother. My mom used to tell us, though, and this is something that I'm just starting to deal with, too, is my mom would tell us, like, if we didn't behave, she was going to take Kevin and drive off a cliff. Whoa. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a lot of mani- manipulation by her. It, it was crazy. So, so I think- you were going from one destructive home into yeah. another. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So you talked about, I guess, these things started right away in your marriage, these rules. Give me uh, some examples of some of the other rules. This is a good example. And he, he did say that he was incorrect, but it the, the what happened definitely stuck in my head. We had lived a little bit further away for about a year and a half. And we moved back to my hometown. When we moved back, I had one child and I was pregnant with the second. I was unpacking the boxes and that, and he worked afternoon shift. And so now he moved me back closer to my mom. And uh, my mom said, well, why don't you bring the baby over and we'll have dinner together and stuff like that. And my husband was at work. So I did. I did that a couple nights, you know, and he said, if you do not get those boxes unpacked, you are grounded. You are not to talk to your mother for the next week. You cannot go over there. You cannot talk to her. And I'm like, I'm grounded. I'm the uh, mom, uh, mom here and I'm grounded. <laughs> that's like, that's crazy. You would have submitted to that? Well, I, I argued, which was wrong because you're not supposed to argue. And, you know, that's, this just isn't right. Like, how can you ground me? And I'm like, fine, I'll get it all done or whatever. And then a couple days later, he did come and say, all right, I really am not, I can't ground you as your husband, but I would hope that you would want to choose the right thing to do. So to me, the message is, why don't you unpack the boxes if it's bothering you so bad, but he didn't do that, huh? No. And, and he had very definite roles for men and women. You know, men don't do the dishes and they don't do laundry. I went to my pastor this one time. Okay. So we had three babies in three years and he then worked at um, day shift and he would come home. You know, I'd give him dinner, have everything ready and all that. And then I would go to bathe the, the kids and um, he'd be laying on the couch and he would yell for me to come out and here I am trying to bathe three babies. And then uh, he would call me out there because he needed a drink of water, you know, and I went and I talked to my pastor because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, how am I supposed to get, do everything he's asking me to do? And really I was told, you know, make sure that I was submissive and had the right attitude. Are you kidding me? So they didn't tell him to get up and get his own water? The pastor talked to him a little bit and suggested that maybe he would want to help me more. Did you receive that and start getting his water? I mean, how are you going to leave a two-year-old in the tub by himself? Well, I couldn't. I'd have, I'd bring him out. I would never, you know, keep, have my kids unsafe. Right. You know, or if I remembered, give him the water before I left the room so that he wouldn't need to call me. The issues in this marriage went way beyond misogynistic pride. Early on, I've discovered that he was looking at porn. Of course, and I believe this, that, you know, it was because I wasn't what he wanted to look at, <laughs> you know, early Well, on. you must have had something because he, he had eight <laughs> kids with you. So yeah, mean, it must not I, have been that bad. <laughs> this one time I had gone for a weekend with my sister to help her close up her husband, her father-in-law's apartment. He had passed away. I didn't know anything happened while I was gone. When I um, got the phone bill, and this was back in the 90s, there were these 900 numbers on this phone bill. Well, I'm naive. I didn't know what a 900 number was. And so when I saw the bill, I'm like, I've got to call the phone company. Like, this can't be real. What on earth are these? You're like, 
is 900 yeah. even a real number? He's like, uh, no, you don't need to call. Those are mine. And it was like $100 worth of 900 calls. Our budget was super tight. And what am I going to do? How am I going to pay the, an extra $100? You know? And um, I said, well, what are these? And he said, well, you know, you left me. I have needs. And so. So he justified it, that it was your fault that he was calling 900 numbers. Yeah. 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 And then every, like, just. um, Did you accept that? I did. Not even a hysterectomy gave Maureen enough reason to neglect her husband's sexual needs. In 2002, when I had that surgery, it was, well, you know, he has needs. So even though I have this incision and all this, and he said that I had to go upstairs because. He had needs. So I went upstairs and you know what happened. And then the next day, my incision opened up from stem to stern. I ended up spending the next three months being packed every day. And then he did let me stay in the living room at the time because that had happened. I did he realize that happened because he forced you to have sex with him? No. What did he do during those three months? Well, then he would come down in the living room in the middle of the night and we obviously couldn't physically have sex. So I had to make sure I took care of him. And I, I found an old journal and I was writing, I had written in there. I just wish he'd leave, be better off without him. (laughs) And then I find on the computer three months into this, you know, I'm, I'm finally healing up and everything. And then he had done stuff with the computer. And then I bring that to him and he's again, you know, well, you couldn't do what I needed you to do. And so it was my fault, you know? And so I kept feeling more and more like such a failure. I just can't, I can't be the wife he wants. I can't be never quite good enough, never enough. I felt that through the years. So it was six years ago, I found an email that he had written to a girl in Russia. She sent him pictures and all this stuff. And I brought it to, I'm like, what the heck is this? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's, you know, we just corresponded a little bit. It's not a big deal. And at that time I opened my own bank account and I thought I'm going to prepare (laughs) because I don't know what's going to happen. I would tell him, I said, you know, I mean, the Bible says, even if you look on another one, you're committed adultery. No, that doesn't mean adultery. You have to physically go. And he had convinced me that I could interpret scripture and God speaks to him, not to me. Like when I'm saying, let's go to a different church, which I was hoping to go to a different church because our son was the pastor now. And I couldn't bring this to our son. Yeah, that would be very, very difficult. Although I'll bet your son wasn't that surprised yeah. or wouldn't, wouldn't have been surprised, you know? Yeah. He, he, he wouldn't have been. But I, I doubt mean, that your husband would come under his authority spiritually. No, no, I know he wouldn't have. So, I mean, because eventually I did tell that something was going on that needed addressed with my husband. And my husband, he sat in our kitchen talking to our son and he basically equated himself to God. And that um, if there was any issues that he, God would talk to him about it. Wow. Thinking about the women that are possibly listening to you living through something similar. I would love for you to just give me some adjectives of how you felt during these years. I didn't feel like I had any worth. I was powerless to change anything. 
you know, because he had all the power. He was the one who, as the man, he was the head of the house. And I had to obey him. And to be a godly wife, that's what I was supposed to do. And I wanted with all my heart to serve God and be a godly wife. Me, my self-talk was, you know, why are you so stupid? Why can't you do this right? I would try really hard. Like, so he taught me how to, when you deliver your, his breakfast, it should all be hot at the same time, you know, so you put the toast down at the right time, the eggs in the pan, you know, and just everything. And I would do that, you know, his bacon's hot, his eggs are hot, his toast is hot. And I deliver it. And one of the eggs, maybe the yolk was broken. It wasn't, thank you for making me my breakfast. It was, why can't you just get it right? You know? I try. So, uh, where is he when you're delivering breakfast? Well, he's sitting on his throne at the table. <laughs> and that's what I called it. He had a chair with arms on it and he would sit on his throne. Yeah. Wow. That's where he was when I delivered him his dinner too. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you lived like that for 41 years. Tell me how you found Leslie. In 2020, our life imploded when we had to close our joint bank account because he had attached a girl to our bank account. What do you mean? He put her name on it? No, he um, gave her access to remove funds. He was paying her for pictures. And he had opened his own account the month before. And here he thought he had connected her to that account. And by accident, no. By God's providence, he connected it to our bank account. It was five days before our 40th anniversary. Oh, my gosh. We had to go to the bank and close out our joint account because there were all these other people that had hacked into our account. And you ha- Okay, you had to be furious. It was That was when my world totally imploded because that's when I found out that it was actually, so he said, so I'm trying, he said, unlike you, I'm nice and I'm trying to help a friend. And I said, what friend? I'm like uh, a friend that I don't know. And he said, yes, I met her a year ago on Instagram and her grandma's having surgery and she needed somebody to write checks for her. And I said, his friend just happens to be sending him nudie pictures at the same time. Right, right. 65 times he had communication with that girl. I left that day. I left him. We were supposed to leave on Saturday for our anniversary. By well, I'm watching that phone record going higher and higher all day. I was like, I'm going to rip his face off. That evening, our two sons who live close by came over and said, Dad, because he knew something was going on when he got here. I wasn't here. And they said, Mom's left you. And he's, he just handed him his phone. He said, this has got me in a lot of trouble. But he wasn't right. repentant. No. I think he was sorry that he was caught. In 2019, I had been begging him to go to counseling. And he said, if you really want counseling, you need to go. And I did. I went to this biblical counselor and I said, I need to have a better attitude to serve my husband because I'm not wanting to keep doing this. So this was after Russia Girl? Yeah. So you're telling me you went to a counselor wanting a better attitude for you, even though he's doing all this? Okay. Yeah. Your thoughts were really messed up. Yeah. Well, I had also discovered between the Russian girl and, and going and going to counseling, I um, had found out that Pinterest has porn. (laughs) I didn't know. Oh, I didn't either. I picked up the iPad. Well, he had opened a Pinterest account 
And you know, on when you when you go on Pinterest, it'll say you have so many pins or whatever things that might interest you. And there were like 458 on there. And I'm thinking, well, what the heck is that? And um, I click on it and oh boy. <laughs> so okay, I just gotta ask. So when you asked him about Pinterest, how did he blame that on you? Well, he just said I didn't have any rights to be in his account. And I said it was open on the iPad. And he said, well, you know, I don't do it very often. Just every once in a while, I, you know, will look at something. And Oh, well, okay then. Yeah, it's okay. You know, <laughs> it's not a big problem. You know, it's just every so often. So, wow. Well, so then uh, in July of 19 and I went for counseling and we were, he and I were sitting on the couch next to each other and I had my, my tablet and this girl's face pops up. And it was just a girl's face, but it was, you have a message from, and I told my counselor, I said, this thing just popped up on my thing and he took it away from me, you know? And so her job though, was just to work with me about me. You know, I wasn't there for marriage per se. I need the, the right attitude to serve my husband better that, you know, I said, I get frustrated. I get angry when these things happen, you know, Andy would get mad. I mean, seriously. <laughs> She says, well, you, you know, you have the right to be angry. I was told the, um, you know, to, to try to respectfully confront him with it. There were 15 women that he was talking to, many of which, I mean, he gave them our pictures of our house, our address. He invited them to come to our home. And of course, you know, they sent him the porn pictures. So I was just like, he's sick. And so then, of course, because I'm going to fix it. That's my job. You, you really thought you could fix this? I didn't know, but I, I still believe that he was a good man, that he, you know, his intentions could not be bad. Right. So there's got, he's got, he's just sick and he needs help. And so I started looking up like sex addiction and stuff like that. And I found a place for him to go to that's a nine month program, residential program in Kentucky. And I begged him to go and I got everything set up for him to go. I paid for him to go. I did all that. He went for one month and then said, oh, I'm all better now. I want to come home. So he comes home. We were in the house for a couple hours and he's already like everything needs to go back the way he wants it. I instantly went crazy. I started pulling my hair. I'm like, no, no, you cannot be in this house. You cannot be in this house. I can't have you here. And so we went back and stayed at our oldest daughter's house. And then um, I said, we have to go for counseling. And I just kept saying, I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. You know, and he has, his words are continuously, God hates divorce, no matter what, you know, you don't divorce. And I thought, okay, so I'm going to fight for our marriage. And so I tried, I got an apartment where we could stay by ourselves, just the two of us, not with any of the kids or anything. And it became very apparent Things weren't changing. Like I said, st- he wanted to make sure that I knew about submission. We talked about that often and what that meant. And Tell me what he said. Obedience. Submission is obedience. I am the head. I am your head. And you have to have permission to do stuff. We have to discuss things. And you need to talk to me about who you're talking to you know, your counselor, you're like, you can't just go off and do these things. Cause I was watching a lot of podcasts and things like that. And he said he would work. He wanted to restore our marriage, but I needed to understand 
that he was not gonna just like all those sex issues weren't just gonna go away. So he's like, you can't expect it to just be done. I'm gonna have slip ups. To me, that sounds like you're planning it. Like it's okay with you. Absolutely. Yeah. He's like, well, I didn't say that. And so then he changed counselors. He couldn't go to the one counselor anymore because they were too mean to him. He never told me. He never confessed. I would find that he was looking at something. And this is after treatment. This is after Russia girl. This is after Pinterest where he wasn't exactly looking to decorate birthday parties. What did you find now? I discovered that he actually, this, I have a laptop that is mine that nobody else has ever used. I think it was God's prompting. I put in hangouts and there it was his account open again. He's back with five of the girls. God reminded me that years earlier I had, we had been in this very bedroom and I had said, God, I just really want a biblical reason to leave this marriage. (laughs) You got one, babe. And that's what I felt that day, that night. I was like, no, and I'm not going to keep doing this. And if this is where he gets his pleasure, that's what he needs to do and not bring me into this. Cause I don't want to be a part of that. I didn't right. want to ke- continue to let him do that. And it was so hurtful. Like, you know, obviously I felt like I put everything into this marriage and I tried so hard, you know, but never could quite measure up and never quite be what he wanted well the next morning I was crying and we were supposed to stay two more days and he said so you are you going to be okay I said no I'm not and I'm going to divorce you and he's like seriously (laughs) yeah yeah I am I said not I mean from what you're telling me you're going to keep doing this and that's where you find pleasure I can't be part of that so we came home early He started immediately saying, you are ruining the family. You are tearing this family apart. You are going to destroy everything we've built. And I said, no, you did. Thank God. That's a huge shift for you. Complete different. Like I had, and I knew that God spoke to me, which was the craziest thing because, you know, and he he kept hounding me with God hates divorce. You have to stay married and we have to work through this. And no, I don't. I just, it was. That's not a big fan of infidels either. So yeah, really to read that verse. (laughs) So was this when you found Leslie Vernick and conquer? So that was March of 2021. And then I told him that when we got back from the cabin, I said, I'm divorcing you. I had let him move back into the house Um, in the beginning of March. I said, you need to get out. You need to go find your own place. Um, I'm not going to be a part of this. I went and stayed. I took my brother and I stayed at my one daughter's house. They were so sweet. They have seven children Um, and they took their bathroom door off and hung a curtain so that I could get my brother in the bathroom because he's in a wheelchair. They built a little ramp on the back. And so it was just, they let me stay there. And I went to church and um, I went and talked to the one elder's wife. And I told her, I said, I can't stay married. I am getting a divorce. I am. I'm going to file. I just, that's all I know. I know that God wants this is crazy. And she says, no, that's, that's okay. She says, we're with you. And she says, do you know? And she told me this lady's name and it's a pastor's wife um, from a neighboring church. And she said, do you know their story? And I said, 
no, I know them, but I've never heard their story. And she said, well, they divorced and they're remarried. And, you know, she said, you should go talk to her. We met on Tuesday and I just started to tell her a little bit. She said, you need to listen to Leslie Varnick. And she wrote down her name and I started watching YouTube videos. And then I saw actually Conquer Group was open for only like two more days. It was just mm. God. Yeah. Like I joined that day after I had met with her, I started looking around and I joined the Conquer group. I joined it and I just started watching her videos. I printed out every handout. I started just taking notes like crazy. And I was like, oh. I mean, it was just freeing. Like I'm not wrong. I felt like I was wrong for so long. It's just life-changing. Like my whole world is different. <laughs> I just can't even tell you enough. And I just go back and I rewatch it. I tell everyone, I send everybody the YouTube videos of, of Leslie and I've just, I drink it up. I just like. Tell me what some of the big aha moments were for you. Okay. The very first one to me was that I can only be responsible for me. And I don't have to be responsible. I can't be responsible for him and his actions. And I realized how much I was trying to fix things. And it was me. God doesn't expect that from me. And then learning the core. I mean, like courageously committed to the truth. I, I had struggled with that because um, I didn't want to say my husband was abusive. I didn't want to say that, you know, I, I had pretended for so long that we've had a great marriage. We were good. You know, we're, we're still married and it's 40 years. I think at, by 40 years, though, when all that happened right at our anniversary, I'm like, we're hanging by a string. I think that's a really hard step because it means coming out of your protection and sometimes your your own self-delusion protects you from having to deal with really ugly, difficult things. Right. Right. And I, I, I sat in that for a while with courageously committed to the truth, studying the scriptures that like Leslie puts through on all those and listening to more videos. But then um, in the fall, when the uh, walking in core strength came available. I signed up. I have applied all of these things to my life. I really have. And then helping other people, I'm telling them, oh, you need to do this. Give but, me a few uh, examples, like in the walking in core strength, what you learned and, and began to apply to your life. Well, even doing the core committed to the truth and then being open to the Holy spirit and wise others. And then through the core learning that it was okay, that it's okay, actually, to take care of me, and that I am worth something, that, you know, God does care about me, and that I could read scripture, because for so long, I had just stopped reading, because when I would read, and bring it to him, and say, I think, you know, this is what this means, no, you don't understand, you know, I, I you know, I'll let you know what it means, and I just wasn't valued in any way, I felt powerless, and all that, but with doing the core, I, I, it, I'm completely different. I, I see that I do have value and that God does care for me. And God protected me even through that whole situation, like having me open my bank account, my own bank account. I was prepared. He prepared me with a job that actually could meet my needs. Like I didn't need my husband to financially support me, which actually it's been better without him because I know where the money's going and I don't have to cover every time he decides to spend money. Last night I went to this, I've just been going to this 
group. It's called Dealing with Divorce. And there was a lady there that um, she just sounded just like me, like, I'm just so confused and I just want to do the right thing. I just, I went right through the whole thing. I said, well, that's how you, I mean, you need to courageously be committed to the truth and find that truth. What part is yours and what isn't? And to be open to the Holy Spirit and wise others and then take responsibility for you, but not responsibility for him. You know, and then being empathetic without enabling. That one was a huge one for me. I was going to say, I would have a really hard time being empathetic with him. Did, that was a struggle for you? Well, no. And that's, I find that really strange, but no, I really see him that he has a very big sickness. I think that he, his growing up years were very crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has a lot of stuff that he has never dealt with, but doesn't really think he needs to. He does think he's equal to God. In reality, if he actually would really, really search his heart, he would see that he's very insecure. So it wasn't hard for you to be empathetic? No. I think it was harder to make, to hold him responsible. To because, stop enabling? Yeah, to stop enabling. Yeah, but, but for so many years, I had said that. Like, I had said, no, no, no. It's Even with my our children, like, he, they would say that their dad didn't love them. Or, no, I know he loves you. He does. He loves you, you know, and, but he wouldn't tell them he loved them. (laughs) I would say, no, he does. And I would, I was convinced, I was convinced that he loved me enough that when I said that I was going to divorce him, that he would say, whoa, I really need to examine what's going on. No, he didn't. Wow. He's getting married. We've been divorced. Shut up. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. He found a girlfriend. Uh, I feel very bad for her. She's a victim. She's his next victim. Wow. So is there any other, uh, as far as changes in you, describe the before and after? My self-talk has been so uh, changed so much in this, in learning with Leslie. I am like so excited. I'm a whole different person. I am just I can't even believe I was like that. My self-talk does not blame myself. I do not tell myself I'm stupid. I'm uh, like my whole, everything in me is different. Like, and I see God's plans. Like I just see his protection and his care. And even if I do something that's uh, maybe not quite the way it should have been done, I, I don't beat myself up. I don't say, oh, you're so dumb. You're so stupid. Why do you do? Nope. I say, okay. That wasn't the right way, but what would, what would be the right way? And I did have a, a discussion with my one daughter and I reacted terrible. I did not respond. I reacted and I came right back to her and I said, that's another big thing that I've learned about is responding and reacting. And I you know, apologized immediately that I took ownership and I said, I'm taking responsibility for this and I handled this wrong. And then it was done. Wow. Like, I, I don't have to carry that with me. Like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst person. Cause I, you know, um, I'm, I'm so much lighter <laughs> in the fall. I went to the fall session of the dealing with divorce and I was, I was in the process of getting divorced. And when I saw some of the ladies, they're like, oh my gosh, you're glowing. Like you look totally different. And I said, I am. I'm so excited and I'm so blessed. Maureen, what would you say to somebody that that's listening who 
might be in the earlier stages of marriage and starting to see similar patterns, what would you tell her? To definitely realize your worth. I recommend people listen to Leslie with her teachings and the the coaches that I've watched. I like the way they explain it is amazing. It's changed my life completely, completely. Wow. And it, I know that it's changing the life lives of my daughters and daughters-in-law. It's just wonderful. I do love the smile on your face. You know, not, not everybody who's gone through what you have could have one on their face, but you do. And it's pretty cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to say or share? I don't know. I could go, probably go on forever. <laughs> I, tr- I did start writing down, like, how have I changed? The first thing I wrote down was being committed to the truth and um, being responsible and not being, not being the fixer. It's not me. I can't fix these things. And I'm not responsible to either, which is freeing. Like, I, I don't have to take responsibility for all of that. Um, and being respectful of myself because I had no self-respect. I didn't feel like I wasn't worth anything. I was devalued and dismissed and, um, and just learning to not live there. You know, and that I am, I am valuable to God and I do have value. Yes. I have things that God can use. And that is just amazing. I guess that's a lot of it. I keep saying the same thing about not being responsible and facing the truth. But those I think are- that those are really good lessons to learn and they're not easy ones. I mean, you didn't really have much of a choice, but to see the truth on that trip, but to actually say, my husband's a sex addict, that's not easy because I know even for myself, I've tried to fix certain things. And it's like, there's this, there's this feeling, I think that if I don't fix it, then it will implode. So I have to fix it. The problem is you can't. And that's a very difficult thing to admit and to accept because yeah, it, it might implode, but you, you aren't powerless. And I think that's the big lesson that Leslie really wants to get across is that no, you're not powerless. Even if he chooses to implode the marriage, which he can, because one person can destroy a marriage. It doesn't take two to destroy it. Even if he chooses to implode your marriage, you are not powerless and you do not have to stay a victim. And I think that you've done very well at finding your power, finding your voice and not being a victim. Yes. And now I want to live in my big circle. And, you know, I have been tempted. In fact, the other day I found our marriage license because I have it, was going through stuff. And I said to my, my daughter, I said, I think I'll just put this in an envelope and send it to your dad and say, you can destroy this since you've destroyed the marriage. <laughs> she said, that's not very kind. <laughs> but I do want to be kind and I want to live in my big circle. So people may not know what big circle is. Tell us what the Reader's Digest version of what the big circle is and what what's in your big circle. What do you want to be known for? And I want to be known for being kind and gracious, but honest and strong. Those are my four in my big circle. So you keep those kind of at the forefront in your mind as you go about living and making everyday decisions. 
Yes. And I know that for so many years, I was not honest. Like I wasn't honest about what was happening in my marriage. And I wasn't honest with like, I would cover things that it should not have been covered. Like sin needs to be brought to the light, not in a mean way, in kindness, but also people do need to be responsible, you know, like in with my husband, letting him live, enabling him to just continue and covering was not what was best for him or for us, for our family or for our marriage. Tell me just a little bit about what it's been like to be in the Conquer group. Um, just to have that community, to be able to reach out has been wonderful. Like when it start, when I joined Conquer, I reached out a lot just to have that support. And then the community, having the community, I felt accepted. I felt a part of something bigger than me. And not and, alone, right? And not alone. Yeah. And not that I felt alone because I really have a huge support system in my family. I have friends, you know, but this was different. This are people that understand what you're going through. Yeah. 100%. It's been so, such a big part of my healing. That's amazing. Maureen, I, I just, I can't thank you enough for sharing this story. Thank you for listening. All right. Keep your smile. All right. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's all for this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. But right now, I want to invite you to be part of our Moving Beyond Challenge starting soon. In this challenge, you will learn how to move beyond overwhelm, negative thinking, and even the fear of failure. Sign up at lesliebernick.com forward slash challenge. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button. Well, until next time, may God bless your mind, your heart, and your home.